BestBookBits.com presents How to Read a Book, The Classic Guide to Intelligent Reading by Mortimer J. Adler. With half a million copies in print, How to Read a Book is the best and most successful guide to reading comprehension for the general reader. Completely rewritten and updated with the new material, originally published in 1940, the book is a rare phenomenon, a living classic that introduces and elucidates the various levels of reading and how to achieve them, from elementary reading through systematic skimming and inspectional reading to speed reading. Readers will learn when and how to judge a book by its cover and also how to x-ray it, read critically and extract the author's message from the text. Also included is instruction in the different techniques that work best for reading particular genres such as practical books, imaginative literature, plays, poetry, history, science and mathematics, philosophy and social science works. The written and audio summary can be found on our website, bestbookbits.com. So without further ado, I bring you the book summary of How to Read a Book. Perfect for you if you're a slow reader or find reading difficult. You're busy and want to get the most from your reading. You already think you're a pretty good reader. The more that you read, the more things you will know. The more that you learn, the more places you'll go. Dr. Seuss. I know what you're thinking. I've been reading my whole life. I think I can handle a book. And the fact is, you're probably right. If you're reading this, you obviously can read. You may even read quite a lot, but you're probably not very good at it. Unfortunately, just like the 90% of people who think their driving is above average, there's a good chance you're blind to your failings. What's more, even if you know you have room for improvement, you may have no idea how to get started. Fortunately, it's precisely this blind spot Adler and Doran's How to Read a Book sets out to cure. Why is learning to read well important? Because your mind is the most wonderful gift nature gave you. It will outlast your body for decades. It will almost continuously grow, shape, and transform your entire experience of life. And books aren't an optional extra. They're the key to unlocking your mind's full potential. They're a source of unending insight. They're a limitless well of flush, frozen wisdom from mankind's best thinkers and doers. The good news Reading is a skill, one you can greatly improve. Like all skills, it can be broken down, practiced and mastered, no matter who you are, how much you read, or where you're starting from. So open your mind, grab a pen, and get ready, because despite the decades of reading behind you, it's finally time to learn how to read a book. Reading can be done for three reasons. Entertainment, to relax, hear a story, or just because. Information, to acquire facts, to see more of the words, and understanding, to develop insight, to see the world differently. Of the three, reading for understanding is the hardest and the focus of this guide. Why? Because cognitive leaps are hard work. They begin with books that are beyond us. They lead us to new and occasionally uncomfortable truths, and they end with adopting a whole new perspective. To begin closing your gap to an author, you must confidently answer four questions. Number one, what is their book about as a whole? Number two, What is being said in detail and how? Number three, is their book true, in whole or in part? And four, what of it? How do we answer those questions? We tend to think of reading as passive, but the secret is to realize it's a two-way exchange. The author's job is to throw, yours is to catch. A book's success depends on both of you playing your part. The more active you're reading, the better you're reading. The better your reading, the better your answers to the questions above. And the better your answers, the more likely you are to see the world in a new and wonderful ways. The four levels of reading. But how? 
Reading actively means mastering four levels of reading. Number one, elementary reading, turning symbols into information. Two, inspectional reading, getting the most from a book in a given time. Three, analytical reading, thorough and complete reading for understanding. And four, synoptic reading, exploring the subject through wide reading. Let's discuss three general active reading tips and then examine each level in turn. General reading tips. The first general active reading tip is so important, we've mentioned it already and we'll come back to it at the end. Always approach reading as a conversation with the author. Always approach reading as a conversation with the author. Approach every book with an open mind and remember that books are the imperfect creations of imperfect creatures. Don't treat everything you read as inflexible statements of fact. Do question and challenge, but do also make sure you understand what you've read before criticizing. Active reading is like active listening. If you can't restate the author's position better than they can, you don't know it well enough to help fix it. The second active reading tip is this. Make every book you read your own. Make every book you read your own. To do this, use highlighting, underline, circle, star, asterisks, and fold pages. Linking, number arguments on the page, reference other pages or sections, and synthesizing, write in the margins, top and bottom of pages and front and end papers. Making a book your own as you read improves concentration, encourages thinking through words, and forces active engagement. The final tip for active reading is to set your reading environment up for success. Make sure your environment is well lit, tidy, and allows you to focus. Treat every session with the same respect as a life-changing meeting of minds. So with those thoughts in mind, it's time to get started with number one, elementary reading. Elementary reading is a skill of turning symbols into information. If you can get from the first to the last page of a book, or if you're reading this, you're already there. But one major improvement we can all make is to read with appropriate speed. The majority of speed reading courses focus on two tricks. Number one, reducing fixations, the number of jumps your eyes make, and number two, reducing regressions, the time you spend rereading. The solution to both is as simple as running a pencil down the page as you read it, slightly faster rate than feels comfortable. With practice, this will help you reduce bad habits like sub-vocalizing and increase your reading speed by hundreds of percent. But the most important word in the sentence above isn't speed, it's appropriate. Every book should be read no more slowly than it deserves and no more quickly than you can read it with the satisfaction and comprehension. The key insight is that not all books are created equal. When reading for understanding, one 300-page book may deserve just an hour of skimming. Another may deserve days or even weeks of your time. Grasping this marks the difference between those who are widely read, lots of reading, little understanding, and those whose are well-read less reading, more understanding. It's a vital distinction to make. Learning to spot and adjust your reading approach at each end of the spectrum is critical. The secret, it all hinges on, number two, inspectional reading. Inspectional reading is the art of getting the most from a book in a given time. You should inspect every book you are thinking of reading before reading it. Why? Doing so helps in two ways. Number one, it primes you with an overall framework of the book. And two, it tells you whether and how to read it. The first will greatly speed up your reading if you decide to dig deeper. The second will save you many hours reading books better skimmed. 
Both outcomes mean mining more insights from books and most deserve your time and attention. So how does it work? Inspectional reading has two parts and begins with Part 1, Systematic Skimming. Takes 10 minutes to an hour. Answers, what kind of book is it? What is it about? How is it structured? Is it worth reading? To begin your systematic skimming, first study the title. Take a moment to read it aloud. What does it tell you to expect? Contents. Has the author structured their work? How does it flow? What are the pivotal chapters? Indexed. What terms are most frequently referenced? Do any surprise you? Publisher's blurb. What does the publisher think is important? How have they synthesized the work? And author's preface. What does the author want you to take away? How do they want you to read? At this stage, try to avoid synthesis, commentaries, and reviews as those will bias your ability to come to your own conclusions. The next step is turning the pages. As you do so, read titles, subtitles, figures, and tables. Read a paragraph or two, sometimes several pages, never more. Skim pivotal chapters in full, especially opening and summary statements, and read the last two or three pages in the main part of the book. Third, pencil some brief structural notes. Blank front pages are a great place to do this. Classify the book. Is it a non-fiction, narrative non-fiction, fiction? A prose, verse, theatre, other, or a mix? A history, science, or philosophy? Theoretical or practical? Write a short synthesis of its contents, one to two, three sentences at most, and bullet its high-level structure. By this point, you should have a good idea of what kind of book this is and what is it about. That's helpful because the final step in skim reading is decide whether to read the book or not. If you only live for 700,000 hours, 80 years, do you really want to invest six of them in this book? Is reading the book going to rock your world? Is it one of the 1,000 good or 100 truly great books that Adler and Doran suggest might exist? If not, you may want to read something else. Hopefully you can see how a quick upfront skim and one simple question can save hundreds of hours of frustration and effort. If you do decide to read the book, that's great. The next step in inspectional reading is part two, superficial reading. Takes, depends on the book, but the faster rate than comfortable. Answers, what does it say? Big picture. Superficial reading is as simple as reading the whole book all the way through without stopping. Do take notes and make the book your own, but don't look anything up or puzzle out bits you don't immediately understand. Why? First, your questions may solve themselves as you keep reading. Second, important thing here is to get a view of the forest without getting lost in the trees. It's a good tip because as Adler and Doran notes, even if you never go back, understanding half of a really tough book is much better than not understanding it at all. But as you finish, if you decide you do want to go back, if this book is really worth pulling apart, then it's time to start. Number three, analytical reading. Analytical reading is the art of thorough and complete reading for understanding. The goal of analytical reading is to close the gap in understanding between you and an author. By the end of the process, you should be able to explain what the author said, what they meant, and why they said it. You should also be able to clearly state your position on their work with specific reasons for any criticism. The three parts that follow give a detailed and idolized checklist. You may feel like you do many of these steps mostly well. The goal here is to make them explicit, to pull the skill of reading apart so you can see, practice, and master the components.
challenge yourself to practice each step below, especially where you're most resistant. The next few times that you really dive into a book, doing so will make you a better, faster, and smarter reader. Part 1. What is the book about as a whole? Number 1. Classify the book. 2. Synthesize it briefly. 3. Identify, organize, and outline the parts. And 4. Define the problems the author is trying to solve. Now that you've read the whole book once through, the first step in analytical reading is to revise and extend your notes from inspectional reading. First, check you still agree with the, your classification. This may feel excessive, but it will help collaborate the rest of your approach. Second, review your synthesis. What is the main theme or point? What is the author trying to achieve? How do they get there? Make this as brief, accurate, and comprehensive as possible. No more than a few sentences or a short paragraph. Next, revisit and expand your high-level structure. Identify the main parts of the book. Break each bullet into sub-bullets. Split those sub-bullets further until you have a solid outline of the book's contents and flow. Finally, make a list of the questions you think the author is trying to answer. What are the main questions? What are the sub-questions? What questions are primary and secondary? Don't just do this in your head. Write them down. With this bird's eye view in hand, it's time to move on to part two, what is being said in detail and how. Number five, spot all the key words and understanding what the author means by them. Six, distill the key propositions from the author's most important sentences. And seven, find or build the author's arguments from sequences or of sentences. And eight, decide which problems the author has, hasn't, or knew they couldn't solve. Where part one of analytical reading is top-down, part two tackles the task bottom-up. Just as writing uses words to build sentences and paragraphs, so logic uses terms to build propositions and arguments. Your work now is to find and relate these back to part one. Coming to terms. First, make a list, then to find all the unfamiliar or important keywords in the book, technical, antiquated, and otherwise. Use the title, headings, figures, glossary, and formatting to help spot them. Once listed, make sure you understand exactly how the author is using these words. Be sure you understand what they mean. Glossaries, dictionaries, and reference books can help, especially for technical jargon, but the most important clue here is context. What do the words around the keywords say about how the author is using them? What about the rest of the book? The combination of keywords and specific way an author uses them are the author's terms. Identifying propositions. Second, find highlight and dissect the sentences whose meaning is either not immediately obvious or that are clear declarations of knowledge or opinions. These are the author's propositions, the foundations that support their main arguments. A good way to spot these is to look for high concentrations of the terms that you gathered above. Once you've found them, puzzle them at these propositions until you can restate them clearly in your own words. Alternatively, challenge yourself to exemplify the general truth they imply with a specific personal example. Both exercises will challenge you to show true understanding. Constructing arguments. Finally, find or piece together the collections of sentences or paragraphs in the book that connect one or more propositions in support of a particular conclusion. These chains of logics are the author's main arguments. To spot them, look for things the author states they must assume can prove or need not prove because they are self-evident. 
Look for conclusions where you find reasons and vice versa. Finally, relate your analysis back to the observational part one. What problems has the author solved? Which had they missed? Where did they know that they failed? Following this rigorous process of deconstruction will put you in an excellent place to tackle part three. Is the book true in whole or in part? Part A, general maximums of intellectual etiquette. Nine, understand before you agree, disagree, or abstain. Number 10, be open-minded and collaborative, even when you disagree. And number 11, be specific in any criticisms you make. A general rule for criticism is to always approach a book like a light-hearted and constructive problem-solving session with a friend. Begin with an open and collaborative mind. Assume benign intent and be able to state the other person's position better than they can before weighing in with your own. Remember that both you and the author are usually just as curious about and interested in that and not who is right or who is wrong will help you get more from your reading. Where you do disagree, monitor your emotions. Remember, just because you don't like someone's argument, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're wrong. Always criticize with an eye towards resolution and keep your own propositions and arguments to the same standard as you hold the author's. And remember, that there's a very good chance that it's you that may misunderstand or be ignorant on some important point. The best way to keep yourself logic and detailed. An author and their arguments can fall short by being, number 12, uninformed. The author does not know something important. Number 13, misinformed. The author states something that is incorrect. 14, illogical. The author's arguments are inconsistent or don't follow. Or, number 15, incomplete. One or more important additional conclusions omitted. One or all of these may be true, but only for specific parts of a book. The person who says he knows what he thinks but cannot express it usually does not know what he thinks. So when you criticize, make sure you can clearly explain where your criticism applies, what kind of shortcomings you've spotted, and for extra points, how you might improve or rewrite the argument. If you can't be as suspicious of yourself as you would of someone else, criticizing your work whose best explanation is a general sense of unease. And remember, until you can level at least one of the first three points at a work, you cannot logically disagree with its conclusions, even though you may dislike them. Putting it all together, if you successfully applied the three parts of analytical reading, you should find the gap between you and an author has closed considerably. Congratulations, using nothing but the power of your mind, you've conquered a book that was once well beyond you. You've elevated yourself from student to peer. You've met the mind of the author as equal and seen the world through the eyes of a giant. That's pretty amazing. But what of it? What of the fourth and final question active reading must answer? Take a step back and connect not just one dot, but as a reading to transform not just one part of the world, but the whole thing. We must move on to the last level of reading. Number four, synoptic reading. Synoptic reading is an art of exploring a question or subject by reading widely. It's not about reaching conclusions. Instead, about putting together a really good map. It's about discovering and noting the landmarks, the sites and the hazards, so that when you do set out on the journey, you're the best informed traveler out there. The most significant shift here is from a book-focused perspective to a subject-focused one, where analytical reading treats a book as an end in itself, 
Synoptic Reading treats a book as a means, as an input to a wider discussion. That's why the first part of Synoptic Reading is less about how and more about what. It begins with part one, setting up for synoptic success. Like any good project, Synoptic Reading starts with good planning. The following six-step process will help you set you off on the right foot. Number one, roughly identify the subject you want to tackle. Try to be as specific as possible, but don't worry, you'll be refining this as you go along. Number two, realize more than one book is necessary to tackle it. Sounds obvious, but how many people do you know, including yourself, that read one book and then regurgitate it like it's a single objective authority on topic? Number three, draw up a long bibliography. Draw from libraries, advisors, and bibliographies in other books. Use the Synopticon Volume 1 and 2 to identify references to particular themes in the great books of the Western world. This is exactly what I've been doing. And number four, systematically skim all the books on your list. Do this before reading anything on your list superficially, let alone analytically. Add any extra sources you'll discover to your long list as you go. Number five, solidify the subject you're tackling. List the questions you want to address. These will set your boundaries and define your terms. And number six, shorten your bibliography. Include only those books that say something important about the question you've asked. But now you should have a solid idea of the subject you're tackling, the angle you're tackling it from, the sources you have something important to say about it, and roughly what side of each question those sources fall on. So with your mission and your short list in hand, it's time to start part two, reading synoptically. Synoptic reading is the fourth level of reading because it involves a skill combination of elementary, inspectional, and analytical reading. To do it, number one, find the relevant passages. Do not read every book on your shortlist analytically. How much time you spend with a book in synoptic reading depends on how much of and how well it relates to your questions. Number two, bring the authors to your terms. Translate each author's terms to bring everyone on to the same, your page. This can be the hardest part of the process. And number three, get the questions clear. Refine and order your questions to shed the greatest light possible on the subject. And number four, define the issues. Set out the different ways each author answers each question. And number five, analyze and discussion. Order the debate to throw as much light on the subject as possible. Remember, synoptic reading is like drawing a map, keeping it as objective as possible, and will give you the best chance of safely navigating your subject. With this in mind, take particular care in step five. Watch out for the soft biases when ordering your questions. The debate and especially in the tone of your writing. Cast the facts as you wish, but remember, your thinking will thank you if you can't resist adding bias too early. And that's a wrap on how to read a book. Subscribe to the channel and take a look at the 100 of the book summaries uploaded previously. To find hundreds of written summaries, check out our website, bestbookbits.com. And for hundreds of audio summaries, find us on mixcloud.com forward slash bestbookbits. If you want to help and be a contributor, get involved in the channel by reading a book, writing a summary, and emailing us at info at bestbookbits.com to have it featured. Thanks for watching and listening, and I hope you got something from How to Read a Book. Take care.